Welcome to the Baker's Journal podcast. Today we welcome Maggie Fritz. Maggie owns and operates the Magpie Cakery in Toronto. The Magpie Cakery began as a recipe and how-to blog with trusted and tested until perfected recipes, supported by beautiful imagery and graphics of Maggie's bakes. Baking served as a stress reliever while she was practicing, becoming a now fully recovered lawyer, as she puts it. It quickly turned from a hobby to a passion, and now, depending on who you ask, maybe a mild obsession. Maggie was lucky enough to be selected as a contestant on season four of the Great Canadian Baking Show, and she went on to become a semi-finalist. She began hosting virtual baking classes and corporate events during the pandemic as a way of bringing people and colleagues together for a fun and educational event. When the world opened up again, she pivoted to in-person events and classes at a commercial kitchen and event space in Toronto's East End called Mess Hall. She is now a partner at Mess Hall and is opening a new teaching space in early 2023 to spread her joy of baking. We'd like to welcome Maggie and and ask her to give us a few impressions of her time on the Great Canadian Baking Show. I really learned so, so much about baking. You know, having your bakes judged by baking professionals is is quite the learning experience, Uh, but it certainly was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. Uh, Being on a reality baking show is no joke. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, I thought it would be prepared. I thought baking in the midst of kind of production chaos would be okay. As a a mom of three, I am always baking through a multitude of interruptions, tantrums, tears, you know, sometimes bloodshed, Um, and a lot of my baking were already timed as, uh, you know, when I was learning and recipe testing, I would sneak baking in during nap time. But uh, the joke was certainly on uh, on me. The uh, baking in that tent was really intense, uh, very emotional, very stressful. Uh, but thankfully, baking stress is the best kind of stress for sure. And I think I'm sure you're not alone in that. We've, we've talked to other contestants and, and, you know, I see interviews on TV and it's Intense is the word that comes up. So. <laughs> yeah, you did really sure. well to get as far as you did. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, it showed me a lot about myself and about what I kind of wanted to do with my time. And after all that baking in the tent, I realized, you know, I still loved to bake. And I saw that as a great sign. And I sort of morphed that into uh, my current business. That's wonderful. And uh, so I guess, um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, when you made that decision to kind of yeah. parlay, uh, I guess, your social media following and the public interest in, in the show and, and your participation in the show. How, how and when did you make that decision to uh, parlay that into classes or workshops? No, oh, for sure. So I guess, you know, when the show aired in February 2021, the pandemic, as we remember, was in full swing. We were in the midst of lockdown number one million, I think it was. Um, people were in their homes. They were spending more time than ever, really, in their kitchens. And people were baking. Even the non-bakers were baking, which uh, which I loved. So when I sort of received my first request to host an online corporate event, I thought, you know, this is this is great. I have always loved everything about baking, uh, but I particularly love teaching people how to kind of bring that joy of baking to themselves and to those around them. And I, you know, I love making people happy through food. I do believe the best way to a person's heart is through their stomach. Um, so it was sort of an easy transition from from doing something that I loved in my own kitchen and bringing that to others for sure. For sure. Now, whom did you initially target for the classes and workshop? Was that was that general bakers, uh, people with any interest in baking? And tell us a little bit about how that pool of clients grew and changed over time. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the workshop request started, you know, after the show aired, started coming in from people that, you know, that I used to know in my previous life as a lawyer. Companies were really trying to engage their employees with, with unique and fun events in the online world. Zoom fatigue was a real thing, and so they were really trying to bring their colleagues together in a fun and unique way, and baking was a great way to do that. So I would put together kits with sort of pre-measured ingredients. I would send them across Ontario, sometimes across Canada, and we would bake together over Zoom. So definitely a, a tasty way for colleagues to spend a Thursday evening during a pandemic. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I had birthday party and private event requests. So as a, as a mother of three, I know that the pandemic was particularly hard on, on the kiddos. You know, they, they missed many birthday parties and times uh, with friends. And so for my middle daughter's second lockdown birthday, I decided to drop uh, cake decorating kits off all of her friends uh, and then I hosted an online unicorn cake decorating party. It was lots of fun and that really sparked you know the start of the private event side of my business and now the world obviously has opened up a bit more and people still want to bake but uh, they want to do it in person. So that pool of clients has sort of shifted to local companies and groups who you know come to my baking studio in the east end of Toronto and uh, we bake up a storm. Um, you know the kids classes are definitely on the rise. I think the pandemic really empowered these uh, little budding bakers to get in the kitchen and to get creative. And that definitely shows in my kids' classes, my summer camps, March break camps. The next generation of pastry chefs is going to be something to uh, watch out for, for sure. That's wonderful. Wonderful to hear how it's going. Uh, it's moving into in-person now. And what sorts of workshops or, I, I guess, uh, what sorts of dishes or products and classes do you special in in your classes? So yeah, for my events and classes, we, we really bake anything from apple galette with salted caramel to strudel, macaron, pâte um also some healthier options like breakfast cookies, granola bars, energy balls. And the decorating classes are, um, are definitely well received. We, anything from sugar cookie decorating to the, the unicorn cake or buttercream flowers. Um, you know, I really love developing recipes for my classes that, that really push people right out of their comfort zones and show them that they are capable of great things in the kitchen. Um, I certainly think one of the most challenging things about teaching someone to bake is really reducing that stigma associated with the quote unquote hard bake. You know, people think there's no way I could make that or way too hard, but really if I can do it, then so can you and uh, I will be there every step of the way to show you how. Um, and I think that's actually why teaching kids is sometimes easier than teaching adults. They are much more willing to sort of put themselves out there. They aren't as afraid of failing. And, you know, they just really enjoy the process, get to lick a few spoons. Uh, and no matter what, they, they really know that at the end of the session, they're going to have a tasty treat no matter what it looks like. So it's, it's a great attitude, and it's why I love teaching kids so much, for sure. For sure. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of inspiration there. Uh, I guess I was wondering about... Uh, can you tell us, is it a sort of word of mouth? Has that been important to um, market your business and let people know what it is you do and what possibilities are out there? Yeah, I mean, 100%. The, the word of mouth has been the the way that, that my business has started out. I'm, I'm now sort of working towards broadening that net. Um, you know, the repeat customers are definitely there. It's, it's gathering new people and, and new um, new mouths and new hands to come to the studio to, to try it out. Because I think once people have done a class, uh, they are more than likely to come back and, and do another class, bring their friends, bring their family. So word of mouth was definitely the, the beginning steps of marketing. And now I'm sort of 
trying to trying to broaden the net a little bit, but um, it, the word of mouth has been great. Yeah, and can you tell us a little bit how, about how you got involved um, with uh, your venue where you're physically doing the classes now? Yeah, so we uh, exciting news coming up, but we are opening a, a new studio, um, a new baking studio in the East End, so in Leslieville in Toronto. Um, so I was connected with Mess Hall actually uh, through another uh, friend and now business uh, partner who auditioned for the Great Canadian Baking Show. So the, the community of bakers is such a great one uh, surrounding that show. And she and I uh, connected kind of in late 20. 21 after the show had aired and I started um, to teach my classes through her um, business called Mess Hall. She and another business partner had started a wonderful kind of food focused um, kitchen, commercial kitchen and, and event space where I would host my classes. And then um, it sort of morphed into, we went into business together and now we're opening up a, uh, a new and amazing shop about uh, two blocks west of the of the old shop. So very much um, still centered in the Leslieville area downtown and uh, really a, a real community feel uh, to the uh, baking um, area and the, uh, the event space. Oh, congratulations. That's yeah, great thank you. Very excited. <laughs> yes. So, um, is is that a physical place? Um, would people mostly sign up for your courses or your classes or workshops? Do they mostly do that online, or is there, uh, you know, are they able to drop in and visit or see about classes in no, the physical venue? Yeah, no, it's, it's mostly online, just um, what is actually, mm-hmm. it is totally online at the moment, just with the preparation that's involved and making sure that uh, the ingredients are there for when they show up for the, the three-hour class. Uh, we will have some drop-in kind of open house type of activities for the local community to come and check out the space, but uh, currently registrations are done online on my website. Wonderful. Yeah, it seems like uh, everyone uh, during the pandemic kind of found out the convenience of doing things online and signing up online and registering for things. So yeah, it's great that it's yeah. working for your business. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> it's great for sure. Yeah. Now, Maggie, you seem to have a particular focus on uh, baking healthy. Can you tell me a little bit mo- more about that and why it's important to you? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good indulgent treat, just like the next guy. Um, but, uh, you know, healthy baking is definitely important to me um, and to my family because I think I'm, I'm a firm believer that our sweet tooth should be honored every single day. Um, but since life is about balance, I'm sure you've heard, uh, it's important to sort of balance out the indulgent treats with more nutrient-dense ones. Uh, you know, when I when we talk about healthy baking, I am certainly not talking about kind of fad diets or replacing the sugar in a recipe with artificial sweeteners or chemicals. I'm really talking about wholesome, whole grain, unrefined ingredients that are, you know, beneficial to your health, but also make for a tasty treat, which is possible, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. And a lot of, I hear a lot now about functional foods and just kind of getting more, more good stuff into your baking, I guess, so to speak. And I'm wondering what the biggest challenge for you is uh, in adapting recipes to a healthier process or more functional ingredients, or is it more like you're starting from the ground up? Um, it's not a matter of adapting, but is there a challenge in, in coming up with those recipes that pack a little more punch? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, to be honest, the biggest challenge in sort of adapting recipes to that healthier process is just convincing the people who, you know, come to my workshops or for those who try my recipes online that healthy or more nutritious treats 
still can taste great. Uh, there are many skeptics out there, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but I, I do think there's been sort of a shift in the way that people view quote unquote healthy food. You know, in this day and age, people really aren't looking for fat free or sugar free, salt free. They're really looking for those additional ingredients um, to their healthier treats. So they're looking for more nutrient dense ingredients. And I think that's what really makes for a healthy but del- still delicious bake. Um, you know, I think people who are curious about healthy baking come to my workshops and classes sort of with an open mind. You know, they, they know that this cookie is not going to taste like a traditional bakery style cookie filled with, you know, refined sugar and butter, but it will be filled with ingredients that really pack a nutritious punch and it will still taste delicious. So I think if you come with an open mind, it's, it's not a, an apple and apple situation because then, then it would always fail, but it certainly is uh, still a tasty yet nutritious uh, treat. My, my children thought that energy balls were Timbit donuts uh, for the first seven years of their lives. So it was uh, <laughs> always, a, always a good treat, the energy ball. <laughs> yes, that's right. Do your own, your own version of that. <laughs> well, it's hard to perfect that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, are there some uh, go-to ingredients that you love to work with? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, in healthy baking, it's it's really important to sort of have your pantry stocked with the right ingredients and knowing how to sort of swap out a not-so-healthy ingredient with a more nutrient-dense one is really important, um, and then you'll be whipping up the uh, healthy and still-tasty treats in no time. So, you know, for, for all-purpose flour, there are many, many alternatives um, that add sort of a protein or fiber and vitamins and minerals to the baked good. You know, everyone is familiar with a whole wheat flour, uh, but there's also um, whole wheat pastry flour, which is definitely a go-to for me when I'm making healthy muffins or quick breads. It's an, an unrefined whole grain flour, which... Uh, um, you know, means that the bran and the germ of the whole uh, wheat kernel are still intact. So it adds more fiber and nutrition to your bake, but it's more finely ground than whole wheat flour. So it sort of produces a lighter, softer baked good that you would be more familiar with, uh, similar texture to the all-purpose flour. So instead of just sticking with your whole wheat flour, have a look for the whole wheat pastry flour. Um, you know, almond flour is, is a great gluten-free alternative, great source of magnesium, plant protein, vitamin E. Um, and for most recipes, really, you can substitute whole wheat, uh, whole wheat pastry flour and almond flour for all-purpose flour at an equal ratio. But it o- is always best, as, as typical with uh, re- testing recipes, you really want to test those recipes before you go baking in bulk, um, because it's, um, you know, the healthy baking recipes on my website or the ones that I teach in my class, they really have been tested until, until perfected, until tasty. So with trial and error and any recipe testing is especially the, uh, the case with using alternative ingredients. You can't just necessarily go, you know, one for one ratio alternatives. So, but there definitely are many, many different types of alternatives for that kind of all-purpose refined flour. Oat flour is another great option. Uh, buckwheat flour has a really great nutty flavor, lots of fiber, lots of protein. So those are great um, alternatives to all-purpose flour. I think that, uh, you know, in this day and age, people are opting for a more plant-based diet. So when you're baking, you obviously need something to hold it all together, and typically eggs will fill that sort of essential role, acting as that glue. Um, but uh, it's always good to have an egg substitute in your back pocket, so a flax egg. People are m- mostly familiar with the flax egg, which you make with ground flax seed and water. Um, what a new egg substitute, um, or new-ish egg substitute is, 
aquafaba, which I actually love using in my healthy bakes. It's the liquid that's left over after you drain chickpeas, um, and it actually acts as a great binding agent. Um, love using that that as an egg alternative. Um, and for you know refined sugar alternatives, there are many more nutrient dense substitutes available for um, refined granulated sugar, raw honey. I love honey. Um, we use a lot of honey in our house. Uh, acts sort of as a great alternative. It's rich in vitamins and minerals. It doesn't spike your blood sugar levels like uh, granulated sugar does. And it's actually sweeter than granulated sugar, so you can use less of it. So that's always a win-win. Um, dates. Dates uh, in my healthy baking workshops and classes, I, I certainly love to use dates as a sweetening agent. They are one of the most nutrient-rich sweeteners on the market, um, and uh, they act as a great substitute for granulated sugar. And uh, one sort of hidden gem of healthy baking that not very many people know about is maple extract. Uh, it's made out of the sap of maple trees. Um, it has a really strong maple flavor, so it imparts a real sweetness to recipes without the added sugar or calorie content. So I, I use this ingredient a lot in my healthy baking. If you can find it, buy it in bulk. I have a, a best friend who buys me about 20 packs every Christmas, and uh, I keep that in use. <laughs> throughout the year. Um, so definitely maple extract is one of those uh, those great hidden gems of the healthy baking um, world. And, you know, for butter and saturated oil, obviously those types of ingredients add flavor and, and they soften the texture of baked goods. But there are, again, more nutrient-dense alternatives that really, you know, provide the same depth of flavor and texture while not adding any saturated fat. So plant-based oils like coconut oil or avocado oil, olive oil, really add a, a wonderful nuttiness and depth of flavor, as well as sort of a healthy monounsaturated fatty acids. And the uh, all-natural nut butter, we certainly eat a lot of nut butter <laughs> around my house. So great source of fiber, magnesium, and you can really use that as a substitute in many recipes for breakfast cookies and uh, and muffins and quick breads in lieu of butter or oil. You know, pumpkin puree, also a wonderful alternative to butter and saturated oil. Make sure you're not getting the pumpkin pie filling. That would be a bad thing. The um, the all-natural uh, pureed pumpkin is, is, you know, loaded with vitamins, and it really adds a great moisture to your bakes. So those are sort of a few of, of um, my go-to ingredients when I'm recipe testing, tweaking my current recipe for a more healthier, nutrient-dense alternative. Well, thank you. Those are some great tips and, and ideas. I'm sure everyone listening, is <laughs> their brains are firing up uh, new ideas <laughs> and how to work with these uh, interesting uh, ingredients if they haven't already started and yeah. may want to tweak some of the recipes. I just don't um, buy extract off the shelves or I'll be very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Maggie. Um, this has been uh, really interesting. And I invite uh, our listeners to check out uh, themegpiecakery.com for recipes, ideas, workshops, classes, anything to do uh, with baking. And, and I know you all share a love of baking, and you can see what Maggie's up to on that page. We Very wish fun. you <laughs> we wish you g uh, great success with your teaching space that's opening up. And tell us again what's around the corner and, and when that's happening. Yes, so we are um, ready to uh, to open up towards the end of February. So coming up since uh, you know, February has started and we are opening um, by the end of February, we will be up and running. So it's going to be great to uh, to kind of meet some new members of the community and um, have them out to uh, to get baking. So there's uh, there's going to be lots of tasty fun happening on Gerard Street. Absolutely. That's wonderful. We thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us and wish you all the best with your new ventures. Keep in Thanks. touch. Let us know how it's going. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. You're certainly welcome. <laughs>